0: You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Inside the Outdoors for Season 2. I am still your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss the current state of the U.S. economy and review some economic events that took place since we last got together. How could back-to-school spending affect the outdoor market? What could the continued increase of interest rates mean for our customers? Should we be more concerned about perceptions of the economy or observed economic conditions? Let's get into it.
1: I have something I want to talk about today. Yeah, what are you thinking? I just completed our – basically, it's a quarterly state-of-the-market report. I just completed summer, and we just got the jobs report today. Yeah, Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the economy um, because it's it's there's a lot of disinformation out there. And I'm yeah. and and it's interesting. And I've got spend for I've got back to school spend from both Deloitte and National Retail Foundation. Mm, mm-hmm. Um that's you know, these are important things. And you know, there's some there's some variance in terms of household income and what people are what people are doing, you know, to make to make their lives more affordable. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to talk about the economy simply because I, I would like to just spur that report a little bit more with anybody that's willing to listen to what's going <laughs> on in, in the overall economy.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm totally it was, with you. Let's do that. So
1: Consumer sentiment soared. That was a word that University of Michigan used to describe July consumer sentiment. And, yeah. and it, indeed, up 11%, which, which is just a huge increase. That never happens. That was really interesting to me because that was that's sort of a, you know, where are consumers getting their perceptions about the economy? Because overall, it it looks like perceptions of the economy in a recent poll: fifty-one percent of survey respondents, and this is a distribution meant to represent America mm-hmm. generally. Fifty-one um, percent said that they were expecting poor economic conditions in the coming year. Yeah. Which is just amazing to me. I mean, I just finished going through unemployment numbers and the unemployment is is historically low. Yeah. I mean, historically low. And it may, I can look at it sector by sector. I can look at it, you know, in terms of gender. I can look at it by just about any demographic you can think of. And, you know, the highest the highest unemployment rate I saw overall was in food service at 6.1%. And I'm not sure really? that that unemployment rate is necessarily about not people just having too many people looking for jobs and food service. I wonder what other disruption is going on there. I mean, yeah. in, in manufacturing, it's like 1.9%. Seriously, That's
0: Amazing.
1: it is. And, you know, it's it's sort of interesting to just think about, you know, how important the perception of what's going on in the overall economy how much more important that is many times than the actual data and that's yeah. why i find consumer sentiment to be one of the most important indicators because we have a historically low unemployment i mean we we maybe we were they expected to create the average monthly job creation is sitting around 330,000 331,000 mm-hmm. right now they created the 187,000 jobs were created in july so a little under average but the un- unemployment rate went down simply because yeah. it, that's just how the math works out right that that you're just you're just trying to count the number of people who need a job looking for a job want a job don't have a job 3.5%. it's that's pretty incredible it's 6 million people that's that's what we're talking about
0: but still half of the folks in the US are pessimistic about the future
1: exactly and so some of that tells me that wage we had some wage growth, mm-hmm. particularly post-pandemic, pretty strong wage growth. And right around the same time, guess what happens? Right. We had all that wage growth got stripped by inflation. Yeah. So yeah, you were maybe you were making three percent more. Well, all your stuff costs 10% more. <laughs> well, actually, the highest it was yeah. was June of 22, and that was at 9.1%. And inflation's sitting right around 4% right now. In fact, the Fed is still trying to punch it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they added twenty-five yeah, I more to basis points this week.
0: Yeah, I, I think when we um, when we broke for our season break,
1: yeah,
0: they they had decided not to raise interest rates for the first time since they started really hiking it up. Yeah, and then it uh, was it last week or the week before. It was, it was late July. Yeah, they went ahead and punched it up again, and they said we might be doing this again in September.
1: Yeah. So when I looked at the jobs report, I was thinking about that and and I was saying, Mm -hmm. okay, it is at 187, you know, over an average of 331. Is that enough to stop the Fed from doing it again? And the the reason I mean, we're all worried about this. The economy is good, but you know, it's really difficult to borrow money right now. And mm-hmm. a lot of our a lot of businesses in outdoor are small businesses. A lot of them are startups, they're just trying to get going. And yeah, you know, you can you can secure a loan with SBA and there are other other ways to do it, but it is expensive to borrow money right now. Yeah. And that's I don't see any into that in the in the near future. I mean, I think like you, I'm hoping that the Fed will stall on this. I mean, that's what they, that's how it was advertised, right? Yeah, we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. And it's going to stall. And then we're going to, then we'll, we'll see what happens. And then maybe we'll start cutting if, if we see some, you know, significant cooling in the economy. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. It's almost like, you know, it's sort of like the weather. There are new variables involved that I don't There's understand. New variables, but yet.
0: Yeah. I I'm interested to see how it shakes out for the bike market in particular, because if we're, if, consumers are pessimistic about their financial future if we're getting these signals that are trying to tell us that we need to quit spending so much money and feeding into the inflation at the same time as we're seeing some pretty significant promotions and discounts and deals on bikes i I don't know which which lever is going to win out you know if we're going to be able to move some units because of lower prices or if the consumers are still thinking like i I don't want to I want to make that investment right now because I don't know if that's going to be something I'm, I'll be glad that I did when we're six months down the road and we're still dealing with high inflation and and all of a sudden unemployment's up as a result of um, the Fed trying to get things to move in that direction. So we'll yeah. we'll see. There, there's a lot of um, push and pull forces right now.
1: Agreed. Well, it's, it's unlikely that inflation will turn around and, and start going up again if unemployment goes up. Right? This, yeah. It, this, yeah. You know, that's there. There's a correlation there, and that's that isn't how it works, basically. But it's I find this this is very interesting in outdoor right now. I I think about perception versus reality, and so I I dug a little bit into the jobs data to see if I could figure out what was going on. And that's why I knew about retail right Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. So I'm like, where Mm -hmm. the hell is this? Is this negative perception coming from other media, which we know? You know, there are various reasons that uh, certain media outlets and platforms are pushing you know, stories about, about poor economy or poor economic conditions. Um, And that's mostly political, I think, but it works. It works. But I was digging in the data. I was thinking, well, all right. um, If, if the perception, if the perception of the economy has been relatively poor compared to the actual factual conditions of the economy, um, you know, where can I find that? What group is really feeling this pain and, Mm. and why, you know, who who is trying to drum up you know some the poor perceptions among various groups and the one thing i found it was a, a little bit of a clue the unemployment rate for for those who earn less than 50,000 a year is yeah. is higher um really? and inflation is is definitely you know especially the cost of housing and recently the cost of of energy went down but it recently went back up yeah that really affects that really affects people in that demographic simply because they're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, when suddenly, you know, gasoline goes from say 323 a gallon to 380 a gallon, that's that's going to affect those consumers. I mean, they're they're stretching their they're stretching everything in their budget as it is. So, you know, when I'm thinking about back to school and thinking, okay, you know, I know where I can probably expect to see some weakness. But overall, you know, it looked like middle class to high income consumers were actually the ones that were pushing, like, "Hey, wait a minute, the economy's not that bad."
0: (laughs) Yeah, interesting.
1: um, And inflation's down. Just because prices aren't rising anymore doesn't mean that we're all completely comfortable with where they landed, right? But that group is spending. About the same, and about twenty percent are spending a little bit more, and that's that's back to school. So back to school is here, and everybody always wants to know what you know what to expect. Uh, Deloitte does a big study every year, and so does the National Retail Federation. Both of them do projections, and the National Retail Federation um, projected an increase of about twenty five dollars per family spend, and that went from basically from eight seventy two last year to eight ninety five this year. So a little bit more. Um, but Deloitte predicted a decrease actually from uh 661 last year down to 597 this year. Really? Yeah, really. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, usually you can those two do not do not necessarily disagree. I mean, if I put it on a distribution, both would probably be within a reasonable margin of error. Sure. But but I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting um that they differed. Um I think both of them basically say, you know, it's it's going to be relatively static in terms of spend, which isn't necessarily good. I mean, usually you want to see the three to five percent increase, mm. but not happening. And that's important outdoor because we're talking about backpacks. We're talking about all kinds of apparel, all kinds of apparel and, and oh, yeah. accessories. And overall in sporting goods, this is when parents, you know, tend to buy those sporting goods that you know the their kids are going to use, including things like geez, football pads, cross country skis, lacrosse equipment. Yeah. Helmets, cleats.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so, I mean, really trying to understand um, who's feeling the pain and, uh, you know, who's, who's getting ready to spend a little bit more on their kids as they go back to school this year is, is, you know, pretty interesting. Um, Not, not a huge surprise, of course, but uh, I think just in terms of being empathetic to your consumer base, and I'm not talking about discount, I'm just saying be empathetic. Mm-hmm. They're having to make some pretty hard choices.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this is an interesting time for the bike industry too, because we usually see a little bit of a bump in and accessories. You know, like I'm, I'm thinking of um, bike locks and things as kids are getting ready to ride their bikes back to school and and like little little bits of maintenance um, components and stuff, and and maybe even some youth models moving. And we do expect the youth models to be, leading the way for the bike market recovery in terms of unit sales because we we had a pretty significant dip in 22 and and so far in 23 we haven't sold we we've sold fewer bikes in 23 compared to any other year that we've measured back to 16 but but yeah you you have an important message there like let's be let's take into account everything else that's going on in that family's budget as we're um, as we're looking forward to that market
1: Yeah. I mean, frankly, when, when I was working specialty retailer uh, retail in in Hawaii of all places, right. You think everybody's got money in Hawaii, not true, but every once in a while, you you know, you get a customer and you just recognize that, you know, they, they need, they're looking for something that's price effective and, and, and it's not going to fall apart. You know, it's actually going to be a pretty decent piece of equipment or, or pretty decent. It's like a decent backpack. Um, and that's possible. And I was, I I tried to be as sensitive to that as I could, including, you know, when somebody brought in like a, their kid Schwinn with a flat tire, not to point and laugh, man, just go ahead and fix a tire and help them out. Yeah. Um, being empathetic to customers is, is really going to be key and, you know, do, do the right thing for that customer.
0: Yeah. I love okay. that. Yeah. Even though I think our specialty shops may be not in the best position right now too, but you know, like that's, that's how you're going to create and maintain like a long-term relationship with that customer so they're coming back.
1: Yeah. I think that that customer service definitely goes a long way when the perception of the economy is it's it's not great. I've got to watch mm-hmm. every dime, everything, every penny that goes through my bank account, I've got to pay t- attention to because it could be the difference between having, you know, my prescription for the month or not. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it's yeah. just the difference between like having like a, a spiffy new bike tire or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: OIA is going to put out the summer state of the market report.
0: Yeah.
1: Right around August 15th that contains a thorough analysis of all of these vectors in the economy. You know, it, it starts off with inflation, looks at unemployment and employment, looks at um, interest rates and borrowing. Yeah, and there are a couple of special sections in there I think everybody will appreciate just, just to paint a picture of what we're seeing in the economy. And it's it's a pretty technical paper. I mean, it's it's not, I don't provide you with a whole lot of opinion. This is just straight yeah. data and analysis and a, and a, just a, a look at, at various vectors of, or really indicators of economic health.
0: Perfect. Where, where can folks find that? Because I think it, this this podcast is going to land before that link is ready.
1: Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me set you up. Thanks for asking, man. No, mm-hmm. you can get that. Uh, it just go to outdoorindustry.org
0: yeah,
1: and and click on the research tab, and it'll pop right, right up for you. And that is available to, to anybody that would like to have it. And so
0: we yeah. can put a link in the description. Exactly. Cool. Let, we, let me also tag on while we're like shamelessly promoting our own I actually work. don't
1: know if I, you know what I might uh it might be a general link so if that, this continues to be a general link for the yeah. listeners um that's because the report's not published yet <laughs> actually okay. I don't have a, I don't have a specific link yet
0: people for bikes is going to publish our newest report from SP Global our Q2 um, Global risk and opportunity Forecast should be available mid-August, probably around the same time. And it it's a like quantitative view of how all of those macroeconomic factors are affecting our bike industry. And, and, you know, based on the last three months of data, what we think the forecast for the next five years of bike unit sales will look like for e-bikes, for kids bikes, and then for all other bikes, uh, so that we can better prepare for the markets that we're we're going to face.
1: You always share that with me. And yeah. I really appreciate it. That is an excellent, excellent report. Yeah,
0: maybe in a few weeks we can uh, we can pull a few data snacks from one of those. So we can we share it live, maybe.
1: I think we should have a data snack. Duel. Let's have a data snack duel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah.
1: Later we'll later we'll break dance fight, but I think a data snack duel is just what the just what the doctor ordered.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. And how we think different market conditions could affect our different um, categories for outdoor to be interesting.
1: Yeah. My little pet data, I don't know. It's an anomaly. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's not an an anomaly, but I want to, I want to really dig into the frequency of participation. I've talked about that a lot. Like, you know, the, the number of people who are participating in outdoor is up. I mean, it's, it's great. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, our, market penetration is 55.1% of Americans are yeah. participating in outdoor, but less frequently, like, and I'm seeing outings go down. And and there are two particular groups where outings are going down spe- where I'm specifically worried, and that's 18 to 24 and 17 and under.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, we, we've noticed a trend of youth participation declining. And we've talked about that in a previous episode, but there's a a slow but steady decline in writership among three to nine-year-olds and 10 to 17-year-olds. Both those groups are like one to two percentage points down every other year. We we run a study biannually and it's, it's just perplexing. We're not sure why it is. We've tried to do some follow-up research to figure out if there's something actionable that we can bring to youth writers and prospective youth writers to try and get more kids interested in and motivated to engage with bikes and it's it's something that we're really focused on understanding that having a wide base of this population pyramids how we're going to sustain the activity into the future but um yeah that's that's top of mind for people for bikes but just in general talking about frequency we've seen sort of the polarization of bike riders we've seen a lot more infrequent riders a, a lot more folks riding occasionally less than twice a month you know um on average for the year but we've also seen a growth in the avid, like committed cyclists who are riding six, seven times a month, you know, like that really, really frequent riders. It's that middle group that's, I, I forget how it's framed in the Physical Activity Council data, like what, what the terminology is for the middle group, but it's it's like the moderate activity level. That group is shrinking and it's folks are either riding, you know, every once in a while or they're like riding nonstop. So, yeah, it's, it's, um. I'm not, I'm not sure what to do with that. <laughs> it's an interesting data snack there.
1: Yeah, it is. And I guess the reason I'm most worried about the younger age groups, because it's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's been happening across all age groups. It's more acute in the, in the really young age groups, which worries me even more. But my first question was, do I care? Right. Is, should, should we be worried about this? And, and you know, the answer, the answer that I ended up at um, was definitely we care because you know, more frequency equals more sales. I mean, it's yeah. kind of that, it's kind of that simple and more frequency means more connection to the industry, just overall more connection to nature. But I, you know, I, and I started to wonder, well, okay, let's, you know, let's go through some of the reasons why this might be happening and why it's particularly acute with kids. Um Especially after the, like even this was happening even during the pandemic. And I yeah, think. Yeah, that's
0: too, cycling too.
1: Right. And a lot of it, you know, I think screen time, we're going to talk about screen time is is definitely a factor here. Mm-hmm. But is there a cultural shift? And is it a cultural shift to gaming or to screens? And, you know, is there something going on in youth cult? Because things happen so fast in youth. Yeah, and yeah. Is there something going on that we have not put our finger on that's that could really hurt us? Because if these kids aren't doing the, mo- the, the the most significant predictor of adult behavior in outdoor is their their behavior in outdoor when they're a kid, right? Yeah. Um, so this is really worrisome because I'm looking at this and I'm seeing problems, you know, 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Yeah, no, no. And they don't participate, and then their kids don't participate. And this, you know, this is generally just a you know, a deconstruction of what we consider that outdoor participant base over the next 50 years. And we have other things to worry about, man. We've got climate, we've got other things. We've got, Dude,
0: yeah. we've
1: got PFAS, we've got lots to worry about. What if I argued, and I, I'm not, this is not what I believe, but what if I argued that it doesn't matter because more people than ever, as, you know, as a percentage of the population, more people than ever are participating, at least some.
0: Yeah, I think getting from, Zero to to one, you know. If I'm thinking on a scale of zero being uh, a non-participant and one hundred being the most avid participant, getting someone to participate at any level, I think is success, right? And and I don't think that's just my overly optimistic self taking over, but I I think if we have more people participating, that is absolutely better. I think if we have more people more participating more often, that's like that's the next step. That's the next goal. Um, but I think my primary goal is to get more people on more bikes. And then the second half of that statement is more often.
1: I agree with you. You know, when I think about what my job is, it's to it's to assist our members and in, in whatever their objective is. And for yeah. about 90% of them, it's we would like our bottom line to be healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. So what are the other 10% doing?
1: Um they want to help people. You know, okay. they want to be have a have a positive impact on outdoors, things like that. I love it. So it's not always about growth. But yeah, I think I think it's important to have uh, core participants, frequent participants, especially yep. considering the market, because, you know, frankly, they're the ones that are buying the high end equipment.
0: They're the oh, ones Yeah, that- they're the ones that are going to be less affected by market conditions. If you're a dedicated outdoor participant, it's no longer a luxury good. You're you're thousand dollar, whatever, ten thousand dollar bike or you're like snowboard setup, whatever it is. But it's 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 moved more towards necessity on that, that scale of like, want to need. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They, they are less affected. Their demand is so inelastic just because it's such a core part of their identity, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, that's something that I think we'll have to discuss. I mean, how, how can we introduce outdoor into sort of the identity, identity maps of participants and Mm. and potential participants?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the key to everything is making them, making it part of who they are. And that's the, that's a holy grail for a brand, right? That's it. Yeah. And I I don't see any reason why we can't talk about just doing that generally in outdoor. And it it all generally tends to go back to the Got Milk campaign, which drives me insane.
0: I know. Isn't that funny?
1: Right. But because (laughs) when you look at the data, the Got Milk campaign actually didn't work. But I they get it. You know, everybody important. saw it. Everybody knew about the got milk yeah. campaign, which is kind of, you know, that that appears to be the goal, more impressions than actual impact. Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a great argument to be made, especially in you know, in an age in which you know identity is becoming more and more important. Um, how do we take advantage of the idea of identity and attaching I, that identity of outdoor, which we've always done, by the way? Yeah. It's not new. This is, you know. But just being more intentional in, in the way we think about that, how do we get people to to use that door as as an identifier of theirs of their own self, right? I want to be tattooed on everybody's chest, not me. You get it.
0: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'll pay hundred dollars to the first graphic designer that can come up with a tattoo of Kelly. No, and and, and
1: uh, as long as it's like abstract. yeah,
0: Photoshop it onto someone. <laughs>
1: I don't know. We should have a bet in which, you know, one of us has to is going to lose said bet and have to get a tattoo of the other one. Like it could be somewhere like that. <laughs> but I think that would be absolutely hilarious. I <laughs> and oh, I would man. and I would participate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let Maybe the data snack, <laughs>
1: data snack off.
0: Data snack off. We left off last season thinking we'd solved everything. The Fed quit raising interest rates. Participation was up. Everything was a uh, gold stars across the board. It looks like we still have more work to do. So here we go for season two of Inside the Outdoors.
1: No, we're all, <laughs> Look, we're job security. security. We're always going to have work to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a
1: great thing. I mean, it's, there's never there been. There ought
0: a, to always be questions.
1: Yeah, there's never been a year in my career when it was like, everything's great. We don't need you.
0: well i have i have had years as a consultant when people said that but they weren't correct yeah Um,
1: well they they, maybe they just didn't have money to pay you that was a problem yeah you know i think that that economic conditions are actually you know i think that factually they're just they're better than perception and there's a lot of opportunity out there yeah Uh, you know i want to i want to focus on various opportunities in the market and various opportunities in the participant base in the second season and I think it's going to be exciting because I know we're going to have more people on to address these specific issues and you and I are both doing a lot of reporting out um, with people for bikes and with um, outdoor industry association so it's kind of nice to be in a season in which we get to talk about things that we're working on for you know our members and beyond I always consider summer like the end of summer is like the end of my rotation <laughs> right, <laughs> During, yeah. like the, you know, fall is the beginning of the year, and I'm gonna bring on um, one of my favorite climatologists, and I hope I can get her. Elizabeth Burakowski is gonna come on, and it, you know, it's not gonna be a super happy episode, but wow, you know, she she's I've been friends with and colleagues with Elizabeth. Not, I don't even know if I have the I can call her a colleague. She's amazing. I mean, she's she's doing some amazing stuff. She's at the University of New Hampshire. She's a uh, yeah and she was doing a fellowship when i met her she's doing a fellowship with noah in, oh, yeah. boulder, in boulder so we were talking a lot about what was going on in 2013 believe it or not yeah. a while ago. and uh, th- you know especially as we approach winter you can find a meteorologist or a climate you can't find many climatologists to say this, but the people that are predicting the weather mm-hmm. you can get anybody to say f- can anything about what this winter is going to look like right now and it's it is super weird because it is an El Nino. It's a strong El Nino, which which usually, you know, that usually creates very specific conditions, but the water in the Atlantic is off the charts, historically hot. And nobody knows how that, how that may affect the, you know, a typical El Nino pattern. It runs everything from, it's never going to snow in the Northeast again to next year, we're going to be buried in snow and we'll never get out so, so a yeah it's but it's it what's happening with what's happening with weather is really interesting because we were joking earlier about introducing new variables that we don't understand yeah, into, sure. into a complex equation and things can get thrown into chaos and i i mean i think that we're seeing some of that in weather right now it's 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 and i think it's one of the most interesting times to talk about climate and climate science and and actual weather and weather patterns I'm really looking forward to that one. Let's get into a new season, right on.
0: Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.